Hey guys, this is Jay Shear, host of the Reclamation Society podcast. In today's episode, Mike Gordon and I are reviewing and discussing Tom King's comic series, The Sheriff of Babylon. We're looking at specifically at The Trade, Volume 1. We're going to dive deep into the story, the characters, and the major and minor themes weave throughout this comic book. It's been called the best comic book of 2016, so stay tuned to hear our thoughts on that. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining us, and make sure you subscribe. And if you're a frequent listener, thank you for sticking with us. To learn more about this podcast and the other stuff we do, be sure to check out www.reclamationsociety.org. You can even watch our Star Wars fan film there, which has over 22,000 views. We've received a ton of positive feedback, so thank you for that. Leave us a comment if you do watch it. And the link is down below, too, so you can look in the show notes for the link. Um, Our podcasts now start with a spoiler-free review, so you'll hear Mike and I give a spoiler-free review of The Sheriff of Babylon. I will then give you a spoiler warning when we start to dive deeper into the material, because that's when the spoilers will occur. And if you haven't read The Sheriff of Babylon Volume 1, you can listen to our review. Then when you hit the spoiler warning, you can drop off or stick with us if you don't care about spoilers. As I mentioned, my guest on this episode is Mike Gordon. Mike is one of the hosts of the Earth Station One podcast. He's also a writer, and we'll get into a little bit of the stuff that he's written before, because he's a big fan of tiki culture. So if you're into tiki stuff, you might want to check out some of Mike's material. Let's welcome Mike to the show and talk some more about the Sheriff of Babylon. Well, welcome to the podcast, Mike. How are you today? Howdy. I am I'm great. Thank you for the invitation. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking all about uh, Sheriff of Babylon. Yeah, it should be a really good time. So why don't you give us a quick rundown of some of the stuff that you're involved in? Wow. Okay. Um, well, I, um, I'm a writer uh, and, a, and a publisher. I have a, a company called New Legend, and uh, we do mainly comics. Uh, I think the one that uh, most people know me for is Tiki Zombie. I've been doing that for a little over five years now. Uh, so I, I write and publish that comic. Uh, great artist that I got working with me on that, uh, Peter Cutler. And uh, it's a fun little book. It's a uh, sort of a more tiki than zombie, but it you know it, it, it's kind of just a, a, a fun little thing that we do. Um, also, um, I've got uh, some other books that we publish. Um, uh, I've dipped a little bit into prose as well, so um, that's kind of fun. Um, and I also uh, am a podcaster. Uh, I am the co-host of the Earth Station One uh, weekly pop uh, pop culture podcast and uh, some other shows on the Earth Station One network. Ah, that's awesome. So definitely go check out Mike's stuff. You can do so at newlegendmike.com, right? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Yep, perfect. And then also follow him at Twitter, at newlegendmike. Um, in fact... Uh, as you listen to this podcast, which obviously you won't list, be listening to this podcast for a couple of weeks from this recording, but as you listen, if you want to tweet to either of us, you can find um, the Reclamation Society at the Rec R-E-C Society, and then I, I obviously at New Legend Mike. Um, so if you have any comments as you're listening, go ahead and throw those out there. Yes, please. Um, we are going to go ahead and dive into the comic. So we're talking about Volume 1, The Trade of the Sheriff of Babylon. In fact, I believe Volume 2 is about to come out uh, this month or next month. It is. Month. I think it's next week, actually. Well, uh, yeah, from when I'm recording this, I think it's in a week. 
Yeah, so it might be out by the time this is done, um, which just means that uh, Mike and I are going to need to read that one and then come back to another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys should go check it out. Uh, and we'll start with a review. So in the review section, we don't like to get into too many spoilers, so we'll try and keep it spoiler-free for the review section. And then I'll give another spoiler warning when we start to dive in deeper with the deeper questions. Um, and that way you guys can hop off if you haven't read the book yet. So we're going to start with the review. We have three categories of review. We start with a quality rating on a scale of one to 10. We do a story depth rating because the Reclamation Society is really about um, deep stories and what stories are revealing to us. So we'll do a story depth rating of one to 10 and then we'll do a likelihood to refer. How likely are you to refer the piece to other folks? And that'll be a one to 10 as well. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Mike. What was your quality rating for Sheriff of Babylon? Quality rating, I'd, I'd rate this high up uh, at least an eight. Um, uh, it's the the writing is solid. Uh, Tom King is just uh, on fire right now. This is uh, only one of his titles that he's writing comics. And uh, and, and yet he's just uh, knocking it out of the park, especially with this one, which is a uh, subject that he knows really well because he has experience uh, with Iraq. Um, and uh, the art by... Uh, by Mitch Gerald, right? Is that yeah, the Gerards, yeah, Mitch, yeah, Gerards, Gerards, yeah, yeah. Um, is is fantastic. Uh, I've known Mitch for a while as well, and uh, I think that they're both just coming together great on this project. I mean, it looks good. It fits the tone of the book very well. Uh, great storytelling. I, I think the quality is is very high on this book. I couldn't agree more. Um, so I felt like, in fact, I felt like that the writing had uh, a cinematic quality to it. So I'd be really shocked if this doesn't work its way into, I think it'd be better for like an HBO series as opposed to a movie. Um, oh, absolutely. I think it'd be fantastic as one though. Uh, I, I loved his, um, there's this interesting thing that happens, and you know this as a writer probably too, uh, dialogue that you write either in a comic or in prose is very different from dialogue that you write that's going to be delivered by an actor. And a lot of times, so for example, a lot of times, um, even if you're trying to have a uh, sort of an accent or a way of speaking that's different, you will write that differently um, on a page than you will for someone who's going to speak it. And that's just because in our everyday conversation, we start to drop words um, we don't have sentence structure that works the same way. And so you can get away with like better sentence structure and some of these kind of things when you're writing for someone who's going to be reading it. But when someone's going to be speaking it, those things all of a sudden sound very forced. And so I, I actually felt like a lot of his dialogue, I had to read it several times because it's so well written that it sounds like it's being spoken, but you, we, we had to adjust almost as readers to go, oh, wait a minute, this is almost more like he's actually saying that. Now, how, why is he saying that? What emotion is he going to be using behind that? And enter some of that. I don't know. Did you get that feel at all? I did. And I furthermore, I think one thing that really helps a lot is both uh, with Tom King's writing style with the dialogue, because you've got a lot of characters that are, are speaking a lot of different ways. Some are speaking... Uh, you know, as American English, some of them are uh, more military-based English. Some of them are, uh, you know, um, Muslim. Some of them are speaking in broken English. And yet, um, I think with the way that it's written and uh, also the way that the letterer uses the fonts, 
I think you can kind of it's easy to tell uh, who's speaking and how they're speaking and it puts that kind of voice in your head absolutely yeah yeah exactly I'm glad you brought that up um letters don't get enough credit yeah (laughs) yeah that's true to all the letters out there thank you very much you do a great job um so I, i i really like the art one of the things that um i noticed about the art was that uh so bobby nash and i just talked uh about daredevil yellow um and i love tim sales art i think he's outstanding absolutely in that particular comic, there were some instances where the characters really, they did not look similar to one another. They weren't consistent. The, the art for the characters wasn't consistent. So there'd be a picture of Karen and you'd say, okay, that looks that looks this way. And you see another picture of Karen several pages later and you'd be like, well, it's still great art, but she doesn't look the same at all. Like, I wouldn't necessarily know she was Karen, except I just happen to know that because she's been consistently you know, going through the comic and she's wearing the same dress or something, you know? Um, I would say for for Mitch's art, he keeps it extraordinarily consistent. And these are unfamiliar characters, because this is the first time we're being introduced to these characters. Um, but yet you always know who they are, and they're kept consistent throughout, which I thought was really helpful because, um, we'll get into this, but it's a, it's a fairly confusing story, intentionally so. You're supposed to be somewhat confused, I think, as you go through this. So I just felt like he did a, an amazing job as an artist allowing me to recognize the characters throughout the book. Absolutely. And even though the characters are, as you say, they're new to us, uh, the situation, the environment, uh, the actual place, I mean, these are real places. I mean, these are places that you can go to. Not that I want to do that, maybe. Um, but <laughs> um, I think that, uh, you know, uh, the and but yet it doesn't look like you know, it doesn't look like Mitch just sort of photoshopped a, a, a picture. He's, he takes a little bit of style on there, and yet it's still pretty recognizable. And that, too, is consistent throughout. So you really feel like, you know, you're you're in this environment. Yeah, absolutely. So my quality rating is, uh, is going to be a 9. So Mike's quality rating is an 8. Mine's a 9. That's saying a lot for the quality there. Um, what about story depth? What was your rating on story depth? Uh, story depth is is pretty strong as well. I'm going to give that uh, uh, an eight as well. Uh, I'm going to say that um, you know this is a story that it, it's a murder mystery. In, mm-hmm. in, a, in in when it, if you break it down to its simplest, right? It's a murder mystery, um, but yet there's so much more going on. So that um, you know, not to give away any spoilers in this part of it, but the the murder itself is solved pretty quickly within the first few issues Hmm. Uh, at least the immediate uh but there's so much else going on there's so much more mystery behind it that you you can't help but get deep into this world because nothing is nothing in this is just simply straightforward and black and white exactly exactly so my story depth rating was a nine for all of the same points that you just mentioned and it you know, there are some stories that they go real deep into uh, human nature. So we talked about like Watchmen, right? Like Watchmen is all about like what is what is human nature and what are we, why do we have a proclivity for um, selfish kind of acting on our selfish desires? Well, in this book, um, it's really 
covers multiple different kinds of topics. It covers human nature. It covers motivations. It covers spirituality. It, it, and it doesn't just do so on the surface level. It gets pretty deep into several of those topics. So I would say it um, has some real depth to it. And I gave it, a, yeah, a 9 out of 10. Uh, any, any other comments on story depth? Uh, no, you hit it. I mean, it's it's one of those. Sh- it, I mean, this could have. I think this originally was going to be a six or eight uh, issue miniseries, mm. but right away um, they they acknowledged that they, they this could be an ongoing, and I don't feel like this is stretched out. Uh, I don't feel like there was an issue that was unnecessary. I don't feel like there were scenes that were. I mean, there might have been scenes that were not completely. Um, integral but even those were character building so um i didn't feel any at any time that there was anything that was left out that was uh, that was unnecessary in here uh that they were just like oh well it's just a monthly now so they're going to stretch this mystery out like you know for 40 issues instead so it does it feels like it still moves forward totally agree yeah exactly i would totally agree with that in fact i would say that after the end of this one uh i was I was left going like, oh man, this this is, oh, <laughs> yeah, I need to know more. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the only kind of, I, I want to say a drawback, because I think people should know when they get into things like this, though, that when you get like this trade, it's not self-contained. Like, there yeah. there are answers, a little bit of answers, and it and it ends on a, on a chapter note, but it definitely ends with to be continued. I mean, even the words are there, to be continued, and, and you're going to want to read the next volume. No question. And and I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad you said that because I wasn't in my notes. And I will tell you that for someone like me, um, who really loves comics, but gets pretty tired of the serial nature of them. um, I like contained stories. So sure, there is a component to this for me that is um, more difficult to deal with because of the fact that it's going to keep going on. I would prefer something that you know, if it, if it was like three trades, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's perfect. I'll just buy the three trades and then we'll be good to go. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that. I was reading another series, uh, I believe it's called East of West. Have you read that? I have not read that. Okay. Pretty cool series. I like that series a lot. It's sort of a... It's sort of a weird Western set in the sort of pseudo future. Um really cool i really liked it a lot but it's, it's one of those things where i don't want to keep buying the the week-to-week releases and so i was right. just buying the trades but then of course you hit you know I've, i think i bought two trades and then it's like well the third one's not out yet and it's probably going to be four or five <laughs> it's like uh it's such a waiting game and then you forget the storylines and got to go back and read them so you know it is when you're getting into more of a serial story that can be very very challenging so i'm glad you brought that up yeah um, okay, so this brings us to our last rating. Uh, what is your likelihood to ref- to refer um, volume one? Uh, I'm actually going to go all the way in ten on this. Uh, I, there's nothing bad in here, so if anybody is interested in in checking it out, I definitely would refer it. Um, obviously, it depends on what you're into. Um, so um, you know, but if you like a good story, if you like quality. Um, uh, comic storytelling um, if you're interested in, in thrillers uh, murder mysteries uh, even you know some sort of political drama uh, certainly on a military perspective this is just um, 
there's not a lot of better books out there than this. So I, I would uh, definitely recommend this. I have no problem recommending this to anybody. Yeah, I would also highly recommend it. A um, couple caveats for me. So I gave it a 7 out of 10 as likelihood to refer, but that's mm-hmm. not because of the quality and it's not because of the story depth, both of which are amazing. It's mostly just because I think that there this is a... It's a more unique... You have to be a, a comics fan who's really... Uh, it's really more of a... I would say it's really more of a graphic novel and it's really more of a serious mature it's definitely mature so you know probably not for kids yeah. um, i wouldn't lots... refer to kids <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not to kids um but even if you're even if you're a person who's maybe a little bit more uh, if you're squeamish about blood there's lots of blood um this is a, this is a war comic right so this is well, i should say it's a war slash uh murder or slash or mystery murder mystery slash um crime drama so you're going to deal with uh, serious situations. It's very intense, but you know there's this kind of there's this thing that happens where I think that graphic novels are a fantastic medium, and um, I think they have been very impactful to cinema, which I just love. I think that's amazing. But one of the things I've noticed is that when you go from a superhero um, take uh, from comics or graphic novels, you get it's a little bit easy. They're a little bit easier to follow generally because the characters are big and bold, and they look different. And then usually their their body types, whether male or female, are the exemplary form of them. Um, but when you get into a more realistic take on the world, um, I've also noticed that that can be as a reader. If you're only into the superhero stuff, you may not be able to be into some of the more realistic stuff because it is they are harder to follow. They're not just to pick up and read it and enjoy it. They demand... I almost feel like you need to read the story twice before you realize all of what's going on. Yeah, and that to me is is amazing because I, I think... Uh, some people say that's not... you know That's a criticism, but I think... It actually, I mean, obviously it depends, but uh, overall, overall, I think, you know, people complain about the high cost of comics, but if you're reading them multiple times, you're getting your money's worth. And I don't think, I mean, a lot of people still feel that comics, <laughs> it's weird, that a lot of people either feel that they're disposable or they're collectible, and right. at, even at the same time. So I, I think that, you know, I think books no matter what the the genre, you know, as comics or even prose, they should be um, something that you want to read and v- revisit uh, time and time again. And uh, I like to read most of my comics at least twice, uh, just to make sure that a I'm getting my money's worth, and and I really enjoy them. There's a lot of times, the second time around through, you'll notice a lot of things that you didn't the first time. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm a totally on board with you, and I like this kind of comic, especially because. These kind of comics tend to get really deeper into the stories, so I think it's fantastic. I'm just just a warning to those of you out there who are more into the superhero comics. May not be your cup of tea. Maybe go to the local comic shop, pick it up, flip through it, um, read a couple panels, and see see if it's, you're into it. But from both of us, if you like this kind of stuff, definitely pick this up because, like we said, the quality could not get any better, really. Um, so any other thoughts from a review standpoint? Uh, no, I think it's, I think everybody should read it. And if they haven't, uh, they should pick it up, read it. And then, uh, you know, return back and and listen to the rest of our show. Absolutely. And, um, so yeah, spoiler warning, we are going to get into some spoilers. We're going to talk about this story in depth and 
that's cool because there's a lot of depth here. Um, I will make a quick note. I actually reached out to Tom King um, and asked him if he'd be interviewed for this show, and he actually said yes. So now nice. it's just a matter of me finding time to connect with him. Um, but hopefully he'll be listening to this and want to talk to us because we're getting really in depth with it here. Awesome. I have not. It's been a while since I've met Tom. Uh, I met him at a. Uh, this is before he, way before he got his first actual comic work. He was actually, um, uh, he had uh, was uh, had written a superhero novel. Oh no uh, way! And uh, he was he was um, he was really good at marketing it. Um, and uh, he was at Heroes at a convention that I, I like to go to a comic convention in Charlotte. And uh, yeah, he was so enthusiastic. He was so excited. He's a great guy, great guy. And I'm very happy with the success that he's gotten. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's he is the current writer for Batman, right? He is, and I've been reading that as well. And I think he's doing a, a really fantastic job with that. Yeah, I heard the same thing. I haven't seen, I haven't picked up a copy yet. And I was a big Scott Snyder fan. I thought Snyder was doing a fantastic job with Batman. I did too. They're two of my favorite writers uh, writing comics right now. Actually. That's awesome. That's good to hear. Because I, I think we recently talked about um, Suicide Squad too. And you talk about Jared Leto becoming Joker. And it's like, you do not want to follow a master. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like, that's a scary proposition. Um, but I'm really glad to hear Tom's doing an amazing job because this is the second person who's told me that now. And both people who have told me that, I really respect their knowledge of comics and their knowledge of quality. So I'm going to have to go pick up some Batman comics yeah, now. Yeah, it's it's different, but I mean, it's a different, you know, it, Tom's doing his thing, you know, but uh, I, I, you know, and he's been he's been getting great accolades with when he was working on uh, the Grayson series, when he was working on Vision over at Marvel, uh, you know, he was getting uh, a lot of accolades. So I, I you know. I'm not surprised that he got the banner book at DC, which is Batman. So, and he's been killing it. Absolutely, that's cool. That's very cool. I'm gonna check it out. All right. So now we're gonna get into the questions. So again, spoiler warning: we do get in depth with this, so uh, there will be spoilers from now on. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And I would agree, they're what I wear when I'm recording this podcast. So please consider purchasing a pair using our link in the show notes. If you buy through our link, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. If you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer and use our link to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. First question I have for you, Mike, is what genre, and we talked about this a little bit already, but what genre would you put this story into? Well, it sort of crosses uh, a number of genres, and most great works do. Um, you know, it doesn't sort of stick with one, but I think, uh, certainly when I'm reading it, obviously the story is a murder mystery, uh, starts off with a death we got an investigator. So you've got the, the murder mystery element to it so that you can put it in that genre. It's got kind of a, um, uh, 
political. I, I don't know if I want to say political, but it's sort of got a military political feel to it. Sort of like it reminds me, not in comics, because there's not a lot of comics that deal in this subject matter, at least successfully. But at least as far as there was, there's been, you know, since uh, the Iraq war and everything that's been going on in the Middle East, there's been a sort of a slate of movies that have come out, sort of like Syriana, uh, movies of that nature that sort of deal with the Middle East. So I guess, you know, it could be put in, for those people who enjoy those, I think it could be put in that genre. I don't know if that's got a name. Uh, but, um, so yeah, I think I'm going to cross the two of them and, and give it its own genre. I'm going to call it Iraqi Noir. Ah, very nice. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, I would, I, I agree with all what you're saying. So I think you, you've got the mystery in there. You've got the um, war and crime. Uh, you've also got some historical fiction, um, yes. obviously, uh, which I would not be surprised. And obviously, I need to talk to Tom to figure this out. But I wouldn't be surprised if a little bit of this is actually a memoir as well. Um, yeah, I would be very curious to know how much of this is you know, from his own experience. Exactly, exactly. So in the setup here is is just this such a fascinating setup because it's really about how would you uh, how would you ever police a war zone and that's fascinating so our, some of our questions will probably dive into that a little bit deeper but uh really interesting premise to start from there yeah i also think that it's got a military aspect to it too so those people who like you know military stories um, I, I think this this would fall into their purview as well. Um, you know, whether it's somebody who's a big like platoon fan, or you know, whether they uh, like uh, the new show that's on, I think history called Six. You mm. know, that kind of thing. There's some there's some elements in there too. I mean, obviously the it's not a raw raw military movie uh, or or comic, uh, but I think it does show intelligence, and and I think a lot of people who are in the military, if, certainly I expect. That if you were, if you spent some time in Iraq, certainly in that time period, there would be things in this that you would recognize and go, that's absolutely true. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so question number two, um, right after we see the dead body. So, you know, comic starts out with the dead body, basically. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Just right from the beginning. Um and, and there's these U.S. troops that are sort of contemplating what to do with the body. And, and even more than that, they're contemplating what the dead body means to them. Uh, they even refer, refer to it as like, well, is this just garbage and we're supposed to remove it? Or is this actually a dead body that we need to respect and revere and do something with? And, and that's a great premise for this starting out. Because like I said, how do you police a war zone? Here you have this, um, for lack of a better term, occupying force in the U.S. being in Iraq, and now these are guys who are trained in warfare. So how in the world are you supposed to police a city when you're trained in warfare? Really interesting premise. Um, but uh, the next page, as you flip it over, um, it has this really beautiful um, kind of panorama of Baghdad, and the it gives us a Bible verse. And the, and the Bible verse is, I'm just going to read it from the comic, the angel cried mightily with a strong voice, Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated beast. And so this is, and it actually gives the reference here to Revelation 18, 
verse 2. So two questions for you, Mike. One, do you think this is a good intro to the story? And two, um, what do you think it means? What do you think he's trying to say with the verse? Well, I think uh, this kind of ties to when the story was originally pitched and released, actually, when the news came out. Uh, that it was that they were working on it. It was going to be called Sheriff of Baghdad, and I think in in somehow in the process, I think the editor and the writer and the or maybe even the artist as well. I think everybody kind of thought, you know, we've got something special here that's not just a a story about Baghdad. This is mm. something that, um, like from a literary sense, might resonate more. Uh, with uh, we're talking about bigger things, uh, so I think the quote from Revelation is definitely so. Instead of you know, instead of making it about or or using you know the the actual reference of Baghdad, you know, obviously Babylon was located you know just south of where Baghdad is now, um, and Babylon was the for years, hundreds of years, it was like the biggest city in the world. Like it was like the New York, New York of its time. And, you know, it, 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 it crumbled. It went, it went down. Um, and, uh, what was left in its place, especially now is just ruins. And so obviously it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, sort of a statement as to, um, not only I think, uh, Baghdad and what happened with the immediate war, um, and that the city is left in ruins with uh, all these people trying to, you know, survive and being taken advantage of and being exploited and whatnot. But then I think it has a larger sense, too, of, of maybe worldwide connotations and maybe even apocalyptic connotations. Yep, I, I agree 100%. It, it was, I went back and on my second read, um, because the first read, you know, that, that, the first read that is presented to you, but you know, he doesn't have like, this isn't like, you know, a Bible verse every 10 pages or something. So it's, it's easy to forget that he gave you that to set up the context under which the story is being told in. Um, so the first read through, I didn't think much of it. Um, the second read through, I paused there uh, and, it, and it made me think like, oh, this is a really fascinating contextual framework wherein he's placing these characters because as you as you talked about um babylon is fallen um and it's a complete mess uh the verse says dwelling place of demons a prison for every foul spirit uh, a cage for every unclean and hated beast and as he starts to show us the characters in the story um it really does feel like they are trapped in a prison or a cage. And it feels like you don't always understand their motivations. And certainly from a Western context, it's very difficult to understand some of um, the reasons behind uh, why the characters are doing some of what they're doing. Although I do think that Tom gives more respect to the culture and the people than probably any other source that I've seen. Um, so I will throw that out there. Yeah, He's that's very... Right. Yeah, he's very good at he's very good at um, he's very good at contextualizing the reasons why some of the people are doing some of the things they're doing yeah. from their perspective in ways that I think a lot of other works sort of skip over. Um, so he does not just paint a one-dimensional Iraqi character. 
they're full they're 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 very multi-dimensional for sure absolutely i think um, the quote is also like a um an obi-wan warning you know when they go into moss Eisley, you know it's a wretched hive <laughs> of scum and villainy we must yes. be cautious like it sets the tone for people like this is this is going to get ugly folks like i just introduced you to a dead body and and this is this is we're gonna go we're gonna go deep into some some dark places. Um, so so prepare yourselves. Exactly exactly. Um, next question: The series has a lot to say about the social, political, and even the religious landscape of Baghdad after the Iraq War. So how would you, Mike, describe Tom King's take at the ten thousand foot level as you read it? It's a mess. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, so I'm not a a, a huge um, you know world event. Uh, I don't. I'm. I'm. I mean, I know a, a, a brief, a little bit about everything. I think so. That's that's dangerous. Um, uh, so uh, uh, my experience with uh, this this sort of. Um, uh, uh, news or history of this region is, is somewhat limited. Um, there's a little bit more. Uh, I, I did. I actually, when I was in in high school, uh, when we participated in Mal UN, I was assigned Iraq as a country, and this is in the 80s. Oh wow! Um, so uh, I had to be the representative of Iraq in in our Model UN, which lasted I think a weekend or something like that. So I did my research and everything like that, and I found out back then. I mean, this is obviously when tensions were very high between actually there was a war going on between Iran and Iraq and uh, you know I was looking for assistance uh, from my uh, fellow UN and I was getting nowhere so mm. so um, uh, and even though I you know looked at the, the what they were going through at the time and thought my cause is just surely somebody at the UN on, on this level will listen to me. Um, outside of, you know, a committee. And it was just, like I said, nowhere. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine that in the real world scenario, you know, they were feeling much the same way. And I think you sort of get this feeling from them that, uh, that as a people, they, they, they were not, they were not sure about their identity. Mm -hmm. And I think obviously with the, um, the the rise of power of Saddam Hussein they be, they got an identity even if it was one that many of them didn't want right um, and so when he's finally removed from power um, you know there's there's chaos there there, there, there there's this, this is a nation trying to figure out you know where to go next and they've got this force. <laughs> this outside force of the United States in in their you know sort of telling them what to do and uh, there's obviously there's resistance to that um, and, and and then on the US side you know there's a there's reasons why we're there but even from that first page where the 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 US uh, find um, the US guys find the um, the body, uh, they they just they don't want to be that tells you right there they don't want to be there yeah exactly, exactly individually they've got they've got no uh dog in the fight they just they they just they don't really understand why they're there they don't know what to, they're doing there they don't want to be there um and they can't help but sort of project that and take that out on the people that are there um and it's just not a 
good it's not a good environment for um for prosperity really yeah that's a fantastic take and as you started your description um i had almost the same words uh it is a giant mess <laughs> um and i think one thing that tom and mitch do really well throughout the story is they make the confusion really palpable so that we even as the readers uh, we understand what it would be like to be in that chaos. Um, and so, again, I'm not an expert. Like you said, you, you know probably more than I do having done that research that you did. Um, I have a couple of friends who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, but they weren't, I don't know that they were this uh, in this deep, so to speak, um, right. into the actual city. Uh but you can just see, I mean, you've got multiple political uh, factions trying to take control of the city. Those are backed by different perspectives on religion and spirituality. Um, you have the Americans who are there who are trying to, you know, it's, it's, I think he does a really good job in the story of um, bringing our, our lack of understanding of their cultural context into the world um and so for example there's a there's a panel in here uh it's fairly early on there's no page numbers so i'm gonna say it's like i don't know <laughs> 10 10 12 pages in um but there's these there's a page where it has four panels where the u.s general is speaking to uh some version of an iraqi politician who then goes and speaks to some version of uh, a governor, maybe what we would call a governor, um, who then goes and speaks to someone else just to try and deal with one issue. Um, and so you can imagine the first the the U.S. general is sort of like, well, whatever you guys need to do to get this thing done, and then that goes to the next guy. Well, he knows more of what is motivating the next person in line and knows why this situation is occurring. Whereas the U.S. general seems pretty removed from the situation. It's just like, I have an objective and the objective must be accomplished. Um, and so as you go through these different perspectives, what you see is that there were some really valid reasons for uh, the, the actions that were being taken, even though in our cultural context, it looks like, why in the world would you do that? That's a, such a stupid thing to do uh, or it's such a hurtful thing to do. But to those people, they were looking out for their own communities and they needed those those resources. So I think this thing in question is actually a, uh, I want to say that it's a stolen medical supplies or something. I'd have to go back and look at it. But I think that they do a really good job of allowing you some space to see what it looked like from other perspectives, which I think is fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody, um, I think everybody gets a fair shake on this. Um, there are obviously people that you like and people you don't like. Uh, there are people that are doing um, some pretty horrifying things in this. Um, so, um, but yet, I think you know Tom does give everybody um, a reason and not just not just a simple black and white region. I mean, there's depth to almost every every one of these characters. Absolutely. So this is a good segue to the next question, which is what characters did you find yourself siding with and why? I actually found myself siding with a, a, almost all of them to an extent. I mean, hmm. at least the, the top, like, I think five, four or five that we have, right? So um, obviously there's Christopher. 
Um, I'm not sure if we're giving a last name for him, but I couldn't find it actually. <laughs> um, um, and uh, um, but uh, Christopher is our eyes into it, right? He's the new guy. He's he's the guy that's trying to do what's right. He's the American, you know, in a American sheriff in in Connecticut, right? I mean, he's he's the he's the he's the guy that's just sort of like, um, what's going on here? I don't understand. I don't know this, that, and the other thing. Although we find out later that. You know, he knows a little bit more than what we think of right at the beginning, but um, he's um, but he's he's flawed as well. I mean, we find out later that there were some things that some mistakes that he made, um, and uh, I find it amazing that uh, he's getting six figures for doing what he's doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, you know, he's the guy that's just trying to do the right thing. He, he there's a dead body. He's trying to find out what happened. Um, and 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 go forward and trying to train you know try to get um, a uh, police force not a military force but a police force set up in in the city so um, and, and he's you know he, he's he seems like an okay guy um, uh, I think though that the character that really stands out for me and I hope to God I'm not butching her name but it is Safla is that right Oh man, don't ask me. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think she said they the Americans butchered her name when she when she was over here to Sophia, and I'd yep. rather not yep. do that. Right, exactly. But, um, uh, so I, I don't want to be one of those guys. But uh, anyway, I do believe that she comes across. Obviously, she's one of the strongest character, if not the strongest character in uh, what we've read so far. Uh, that that I think that sequence that you mentioned where. All those uh, on every level, um, councilmen and generals alike, are, are looking for some answers and to get things done. They're all coming to her. Like she's the one that they're that she's responding to each one of those. They're coming to her and she's solving problems. Um, now, granted, she has an agenda in mind, and we're not quite sure exactly what that agenda is. But right now, I mean, as far as we're concerned, she is really the queen of Baghdad. Um, and in fact, I think. Uh, a couple of characters uh, project that she will be um, in a very high position, uh, maybe even running uh, Iraq at some point. Yep, absolutely. I think I couldn't agree with you more. She is a fantastic character. Um, I also agree with you. One of the things that... So first of, first of all, I'll, I'll go back to, to Christopher. Um, and you said this, and I think you're right on. Christopher is sort of like... I think Tom is giving us a picture of Christopher of a guy who we would we would understand the world he the way he understands the world. Right. Um and so like you said he's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but there's this great sequence in the beginning and if you if you read the comic you've seen it obviously, uh where he he goes into uh a situation where there is a young girl, I mean this girl's like under 10 probably, and she has um Supposedly, she's uh, just has bombs strapped to her, and he goes in to deal with the situation as a police officer would. So he takes a negotiation type of stance, realizing that the little girl's really scared, and how is he? How is he? And by the way, um, she's on uh, the Amer in the American base, or at least in that area, the green and zone. Exactly, she's in the green zone, and as he's talking to her and and really striking up a conversation and being very kind to her. And realizing that she's scared and he's just trying to help the situation, um, the military comes in and basically uh, shoots her. 
And then he has to deal with that, having seen her. And he, and he thinks this is crazy because he's a police officer. So, you know, uh, this to him, they're treating it like a war zone. He's treating it like a uh, police situation. So that sets up a, a pretty, pretty compelling look at what he is dealing with and what the realizations that he's coming to in, uh, as, as what he's dealing with in this country. Um, so I think he's a really good uh, view for us with our cultural context into understanding how this world works. And, it, and it's not the book isn't making a judgment call about whether that's right or wrong. It's just saying it is. And how do we deal with it? Um, I, I agree with you a hundred percent on, yes, Safia, Safia, uh, whatever her name is. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy either. Um, and she actually says it, I've been looking for it. I've been flipping through here, looking for it, but, um, for the life of me, I cannot find it. Um, cause it's actually spelled, he actually spells it differently too. Tom spells it differently when she mentions her real name. Otherwise it does read like, uh, Sophia with Sophia, not, not with a PH, but with an F. Um, and so I really like her. She's very strong. Uh, like you said, I think she is the queen. She's definitely trying to restore, um, Baghdad to its, uh, former glory, not meaning, not so much to mean that she wants to be the next Saddam Hussein, um, but to really lead her people. Um, also I really liked the character of Nasir, um, so here's a character where uh, he goes out and he... So here's a, here's a good situation. I didn't bring this question up to you, but I'll, I'll kind of pose it to you as well as I talk about it. Is I think that there's a question about what does justice look like in this environment, right? So you can see that because Nasir goes in and uh, essentially executes three U.S. soldiers, and we learned that those three U.S. soldiers had done some terrible things to his family. And and yet, as he's doing that, you can tell that he has a reluctance to do it, but in his worldview, justice will not happen if he does not kill those guys. Um, and so this is this really fascinating take on justice and what is justice. So he becomes a vigilante, and I think for us, we could look at that and be like, oh, wow, what a terrible thing to do. Where's the justice system? But at the same time, these are occupiers. So is there even justice for Nasir and his family? I have, I have no idea, but he's, he would know better than I would, right? Um, so I don't think it makes us... I think it makes us sympathetic to him without saying that he did the right thing. Obviously, I don't think we can say he did the right thing. But any any of your take on that about how justice is playing out? Um, I well, I mean that's a big question. I mean, uh, and and that's part of what you know is is compelling throughout this whole series, and and that's why even when we find out, I don't think we're ever given a name, but even though we're find we find out who killed um, Ali Fahar, um, who's the guy that's the the main victim in the first in the first page, um, we we don't know his name and, and he doesn't um, have, I mean, we, it's not resolved uh, by the end of this first trade anyway. So, um, so there's a lot going on between, you know, and, and we find out that his rationale for doing things uh, and, and the reason why uh, Fahar was killed was, was something that was a little bit more complicated as well. 
um, there's a like everything has layers and complications. I yep. mean, on the one hand, <laughs> you know, you're I think you know you sort of feel like uh, Nasir feels uh, feels this sort of uh, what do they call it in the in the hero story that the the sort of the wizard or the mentor role. You oh, know? sure, yeah, yeah. Because he's the guy that knows what's going on. He knows what you know what what where like the pockets of resistance are. He knows what what uh where the families are he knows the sections of town i mean he's he's got the experience he's been there for his entire life and he was under Saddam Hussein um interesting aspect to him is that uh he was referred to uh by Sophia um and and to to help out Christopher Mm-hmm. And we we know that Sophia, you know, enjoys Christopher's company, so uh, we can't imagine that he she would want any harm to come to him. And yet, by the same token, we also find out later on that that Nasir is responsible for killing uh, Sophia's parents, her, her family. Mm, yes. So, um, and yet she doesn't seem to uh, want seek revenge on him, at least not in the conventional sense. In fact, she is the one who helps him get revenge uh, or vengeance for his his children, which were murdered by these uh, three uh, U.S. Uh, soldiers that he then kills. So there's so much... Compl- I mean, the justice, uh, the justice wheel on that scenario right away, like in and of itself, is so complicated. No question. It's, yeah, and, and this is where we started out, right? This is where we started out the review saying, oh, it's confusing and it's a mess, you know? Yeah. So it's not just a simple, you know, like what, I mean, obviously everybody has their agendas, but I sort of wonder, I, I hope we find this out later on, uh, because obviously Nasir, you know, has got some issues going into the next volume, um, but like what, because I'm kind of, I'm I'm almost expecting, I mean, this is getting into the meat of, of the plot and everything, but um, after, you know, at the end of the first book, um, Nasir's wife uh, Fatima is 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 killed, right. and and we have this great moment with her and Chris right before that. So it was almost impending, like oh no, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's because that the uh, the U.S. soldiers were uh, were tipped off or somehow found out that uh, Nasir was responsible for the death of the three soldiers. So they're coming out to at least talk to him, maybe even you know try him. Um, and, and I'm kind of wondering how they know that. And I'm, I would not all be surprised if Sophia tipped them off. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. So there's, and that's, that's again, going back to how good, how well this story is weaved is just how confusing, what are the motivations? What are people out for? Why are they doing what they're doing? Um, and I think it gives us some, it gives us some good clues that then we go, oh yeah, okay, I get it now. I understand why that person's doing that. She's um, so complex. It's 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 fun. You don't you don't know what her next move is going to be because we don't quite understand her motivations yet. Um, exactly. We she has a plan. We she's she's too well organized and she's too well too too confident uh, as a character not to have a plan. But I think only she knows what that plan is. Exactly, exactly. And there's so much, uh, just, a, just another note on her character, which is just cool, is that um, she is, she's 
portrayed as a very beautiful woman, but she has a giant scar across her face, which is yep. consistent in every single panel. It's there. So, so she obviously has some history going on. She, she um, did a lot of her schooling in the United States, so she understands our culture to a degree. Yet she had her family in the Middle East, so she understands that culture to a degree. And yeah, she is a force to be reckoned with. And I think that there's a lot that we could understand from her backstory that just has not even been communicated yet at all. And I'm very curious. I mean, her, she and Chris have this sexual relationship, and, and I'm wondering how that came about. Because how how would they even know each other? Like, I just... Um, <laughs> it, 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 I'm really curious to, 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 to see what the origins of that, that relationship are. Totally agree. And I really hope it's not one of those... Um, you know, they do this in film a lot, where it's like these two characters just happen to know each other, so obviously they must be having sex, and you're like, well, how does that work? So, But I, I do hope that they explore <laughs> that, because I hope it's not just a random thing, that it's actually an intentional thing. And it seems to be. Um, it doesn't seem random. They seem to have a real relationship going on. Everything is is not random with her. Like, yep. Yep, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, almost, I'm almost not convinced that the attack on her was from someone else. Oh, that's a that would be a cool aspect of that plot. <laughs> because she seems to be really hesitant or reluctant anyway to once um you know they're sort of uh, targeting um uh, well, I guess they do find out who who killed uh Fahar, right? Because they have a name. Right. And they think it's the same person who who attacked uh, Sophia, right. and and uh, but she's she seems reluctant to like this is a woman that doesn't suffer fools, and I'm thinking if she was attacked, she would want to go after the 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 folks that attacked her, right? Right. But instead, she doesn't seem to be interested in following up with this guy at all. <laughs> so true. I'm wondering if either she knows something, or it's just you know she's got a bigger agenda at play. Yeah, that's a great question. Great question. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next major question. Um, did this story change your perspective on the Iraq War at all? And if so, how? Hmm. I don't know if change is is the right word. Um, uh, obviously, um, from a, you know, not to get too deep into social political views... But uh, I was not in favor of the Iraq War, so let's mm. keep let's put so you know. Um, uh, although I was not in fa- I was not in favor of Saddam Hussein as a as a leader as a person at all either. So uh, do I think he should have been you know deposed? Sure. Um, was I in favor of of our uh, involvement in it? The way we would things happen and went down, not much. So. <laughs> Uh, and, and this, but this doesn't, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could make the jump that says like, well, you know, look what happened. I mean, this is the aftermath of it and look how ugly this is. So it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have went down that way. Um, I don't know if any way that it went down, it would have been all, you know, roses and and sunflowers afterwards. So I, I think that, um, you know, obviously it sort of confirmed in some ways this story sort of confirms in some ways that that the people who make these decisions 
don't really have a plan and don't really think much about the the people on the ground level. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and because the people at the ground level are are struggling from from both sides, from all sides actually. Mm-hmm. Um, then whether it's your you know normal Iraqis, whether it's your you know the kids, uh, whether it's the uh, the 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 politicians that were under Hussein. Um, whether it was the, it's the U.S. soldiers, uh, the generals, everybody is is confused as to what the next day is going to bring, and there's um, there's so confusion and nobody seems to have a plan except for one woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I um, uh, one thing I'll say too is that this this one of the reasons we started doing the podcast um, was that. I did feel like that the comic book community was starting to say some important things um, about culture and about the world. Um, now, b- despite the fact that there's like a lot of different voices in the comic community, I do think that there are some of the strongest voices um, can be pretty one-sided about things in some of the stories that they tell. Sure. Um, obviously, like Tom in this story is being so multifaceted that it's almost hard for us to understand where things are going. Um, but I do want to say that one of the reasons I started this podcast was actually to invite uh, not not social commentary where people are just like holding a line on what they believe or whatever, but to actually start a conversation that was not like what we see on Twitter and Facebook. Every day I log in and it's a new... It doesn't matter. Like, pick your side. Like, I have friends that are on the extreme liberal side of things and friends who are on the extreme conservative side of things. And they're just, like, basically yelling at one another. But one of the things I want to do in this podcast was to say, like, well, let's break down these stories so you are completely free to talk about any of the social things that you want to talk about on the podcast. Um, my only thing is, let's talk about it in a respectful way, which, which I would not have any um, reason to believe you wouldn't. Um, but... So, so just just a note, you can go as far as you want to into that. <laughs> we, oh, are, sure. we are totally cool about it here. Um, but but so I, I actually completely agree with where you're going with it. Uh, it did change my perspective to a degree, and, and I'll share with you a little bit how. Um, I'll start with saying we don't see a lot of material. I mentioned this in the review category, but we don't see a lot of material that views the Iraq war, we tend to see the material in two separate ways. One, um, look how terrible this is from the Iraqi perspective, right? Um, in fact, there was a story, I cannot remember the name of it. Um, it's about some young kids who are growing up in Iraq. I cannot for the life of me remember the name of it, but it is one of the most uh, depressing, sad awful stories that I have ever watched. And, and and it was just taking the perspective of this is what it's like to grow up in, in this particular area. Um, and it was heartbreaking, completely heartbreaking. And a lot of our a lot of our media will show you the other side of it, right? Which is the US is just trying to do what it can try to do to, to make the world a better place, you know, whether it's uh was it called American Sniper or something like that. Whatever the whatever the story was where we saw, you know, people operating in the Middle East. So we, we tend to see stories that are fairly one-sided, and I'm just very appreciative that Tom is giving us a story that is multi-sided. 
Um, so for me, this actually challenged my perspective on the Iraq war um, because it basically says there are no easy answers to this. Uh, and I think you can see that in the story that unfolds. I've, I've never been, have you been to the Middle East at all? I have not. Okay. I've only been to, and this is on vacation, by the way. So this is a completely different context. I've only been to Turkey. I've only been on the Mediterranean side of Turkey. I've been to Bodrum and I've been to Kushidasi, which is formerly Ephesus. Um, never been fully immersed. Those were just like, get off the ship and see a few things, right? Um, I was on a cruise. Uh, I have been on some missions trips to some challenging areas, and, I'm, and I've seen some challenging things. I've been to the Dominican Republic. I've seen how... Um, there are like slums where the Haitian people who have migrated into the Dominican Republic, um, where they live. Uh, I've seen in Beijing, I've been to Beijing and seen um, some of the way that orphans are treated there, which is uh, incredibly heartbreaking. Um, however, I've never seen confusion and despair and, uh, and chaos the way that it's portrayed in this book. Um, and I think as I look at that, I, uh, it, it does reveal new perspectives for me about not only the Iraq war, but about what it's like to deal with that area of the world. So those questions I mentioned, like, what does justice mean in this area? Like, what is justice actually about? What is, what does morality look like? Um, and it is it is a challenge, and I think he I think by reading this book, it will stretch you in some of those areas. Um, so hopefully, I can talk to Tom and interview Tom and ask him a little bit about that, just from his own perspective of being there. Yeah, because I would imagine that you know I, <clears throat> as much as I've I've traveled, very rarely have I been in areas of the world that. Um, I felt that uh, I was in danger. Right. Um, I think the, the 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 closest that I've come, and this sounds really kind of light, but um, but it was there um, uh, was when I was in Belfast, mm. and there was a tension there that you just you could just feel. Um, right. And uh, I I can only imagine that in areas of the country uh, such as Iran and Iraq. Um, that it's, I mean, I really do feel that, um, it, not only in this story, but actually today that, you know, you would wake up not knowing if you were going to be alive for the rest of the day. Like, like there's this sense of like human life is not really worth a lot there. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that must be, that must be really... <laughs> It must be. I mean, we think we have stress, you know, in our jobs and, and whatnot. <laughs> but I mean, to to wake up in an environment and to live in an environment where every day really could be your last um, is just something that uh, I, I I can't even you know imagine. And uh, and that that does that environment does is is represented in this book. Um, certainly, um, you know, people die. Uh, characters die i think in every issue of every chapter of of this yep. and and the way that they're treated gives you the 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 extent that it happens all the time um right. and that 
you know, uh, you're lucky if you are not one of the ones that are that are that are dead at the end of the day. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. So that's that's a very um, that's a very eye-opening thing that I think this book does. I think it doesn't give you any easy answers. It doesn't give you like it. It doesn't even give you a solid villain to root against, really. Um, if it's gonna, if you're gonna get any solid villain where you're like, well, I just don't like these guys, it's probably the guys who kidnap Nasir. Um, but we don't know why we don't dislike them. They just, they just seem like they're up to no good. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, it's a, it's a challenge. The other thing I, I I think is is kind of refreshing about this um, is that you know for all our uh, all the talk about the Iraq War, at least on this side, and 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 everywhere in the world when it was happening, um, the one thing that is missing in this uh, in this story is the word oil. Oh, true. Like, and as as if Tom says, you know what, uh, oils has nothing to do with what's going on. Now, it may have reasons to do with what what decisions were made, you know, by the higher ups. But at this ground level, doesn't have anything to do with anything. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. It's not mentioned at all. It's not covered at all. Yeah, and it's and and yet from our perspective, when it was happening, you know, it seemed like it was all about the oil. Exactly. Exactly. I I, I think applying to this book to the situation that we find ourselves in today. So uh, even this last week, um, uh, obviously here in the states, we have a new president. New presidents making a lot of decisions already. Um, and one of the decisions that we're coming to as a country is about what to do with these um, refugees, right? Um, and obviously, I'm not going to try and apply, I'm not going to try and, from my Western context, say, well, I, this Iraq situation is the same as the Syria situation that we're dealing with, or I, I don't know enough about it to say that. But what I do think that these books can do is that they can give us another perspective into the humanity of the characters and in in real life, obviously the real life people who live in these types of environments and who do need um, to seek refuge. Because I think what, one of the things that can happen to us as we talk about like, should we let refugees in or or whatever it is we're talking about, whatever political subject we're talking about from a foreign relations, you know, even if it's with Russia and with all that craziness that's going on. I think one of the things we have to stop and ask ourselves is it's too easy. It's too easy for us to say we don't want to let in someone who could somehow become a terrorist or who could someday vote in an election and turn the country into something we don't like or hurt people or so i think one of the things that books like this can do is they can remind us that these are not somehow um there's not somehow people across the other side of the world who are just crazy villains because they were born and raised that way but rather they're actual people too and so how do we treat that treat situations where we encounter them in ways that are uh, honoring to human beings, not labeling them with a label that um, is too shallow? So I think that that's great that Tom gives us some more of those in-depth perspectives because those can help us even today as we discuss what's going on in real life. Absolutely. Okay, last question. 
Um, and as you've noticed, we, we don't have any easy questions. <laughs> and this last question is not easy either. Uh, this trade covers the topic of spirituality from multiple angles. So the question I have for you is, what were some of the things that stood out for you in regards to the way that spirituality is explored? Well, it's not only explored, but it's exploited. Um, and that's that to me is is definitely um, something that I, I that this book, the characters in it, uh, it, it seems to be that 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 is uh, a prime. I don't want to say motivator, but it's um, it's a uh, an excuse mm. uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I found that um, a lot of it uh, seems to be banners and 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 phrases and uh, extremes, uh, but not really understanding the the letter of the, the, the religion or mm. the, the, the spiritual text that they are, um, uh, you know, referencing. Um, you have a lot of characters, um, for example, obviously, uh, on the Iraqi side, you have, um, I think the main bad guy who, like I said, uh, um, is still at large by the end of this first chapter. Um, uh, and he may or may not have been responsible for, um, the attack on, uh, Sophia, but she's he's definitely responsible for the death of uh, Fahar, uh, the 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 our victim on, on page one, and and his you know he's he's an extremist. Um, he he you know believes that uh, that the race should be that the race in the area should be pure. Uh, anybody who's on the American side for whatever reason uh, should be eliminated. And, uh, and, and you sort of, you know, uh, look at that and say, that's, unfortunately, that's not, um, uh, you know, that has, that makes him, that makes him the villain because he can't, he can't see, um, other ways to, he sees things as, as sort of black and white. Mm, yes. You know, he sees things, uh, from that perspective and you sort of wonder if he really believes in this. Uh, from a spiritual level, or if he's just interested in power, mm. you know, uh, we don't really get that much into him, so we don't really know his backstory or anything. Um, but uh, I think he comes across as being the most uh, "quote unquote" um, you know religious fanatic in in the in the in, in the text in the, in the book. So uh, obviously, since he's the bad guy, it's, it's sort of a, a weird angle. Uh, from there, but uh, I think all the other characters certainly. Uh, Sophia has has a, a definite spirituality nature about her. Um, it, it's not she's not uh, she even though we are not privy to her plan. Uh, I think she has a code that she lives by, and she seems very aware of uh, the history of the um, the religion. Uh, because she tells stories, she knows where her name came from. Uh, she's aware of uh, quotations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She seems to be um, uh, taken from that perspective, but yet she's willing to work uh, within the the system. I think, if you if you will, mm. Mm. absolutely. Um, I, I'm you know I, I obviously uh, 
I don't know if um, you know it, it, how how really you know religious most of the characters are per, from a perspective that I just got the sense that most of them use the the religion to they exploit it for whatever their real goals are. Yeah, uh, no question, no question, and I noticed a couple things. We start out with a Bible verse, right? So that's yep. that's pretty interesting. Um, the very foreboding Bible verse uh, right. from a prophetic uh, book. We are then shown a bleak situation. Uh, many of the characters are also questioning their own faith. So there is something to be said, and I think this is uh, contrasted well with the villain you're talking about versus the other characters. There's something to be said for the characters who have somewhat of a they have a faith but they're constantly questioning it um not even so much that they're doubting it but they're just they're just raising the questions and i think we can actually trust those characters more so than we can trust the characters who have the like the villain in this story who's just going like this is my line this is where i'm drawing the line and we're not dealing with it because i'm gonna go ahead and read a couple um panels from this is a this is a setup where i mentioned that um nasir uh murders the three americans so this is nasir talking to his wife fatima and he says i pray fatima but i do not believe god listens i follow muhammad but i do not know where he has walked and then his wife responds you are saying these things to put it off my flower but you cannot put it off it is here and then he says i am the servant of our great leader, Saddam Hussein, but where is our great leader, Saddam Hussein? I am the servant of America, our savior, but where is America, our savior? And then she responds with, enough of this husband, go and do what you will do. And then his final line is, um, I am police, a man of the law, but there is no law. And I think that that gives us a pretty complex view of his spiritual take. He he is a guy who is sort of floundering in this really chaotic world. And yet he hasn't lost his faith per se. He just doesn't know what he's supposed to do or how he's supposed to do uh, the things that he's being asked. Uh, and he's being asked to do things from he's he's praising Saddam Hussein in the same breath that he's saying America saved him from Saddam. So talk about a guy who doesn't know what is new, you know, and doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know exactly how these things work. Um, and then in the end, I think we see this conversation between uh, Safia and, and her brother and her brother. Yes. And her brother. And the whole time he is saying things like this, this is really interesting because he says, uh, I do not know flower. He's speaking to uh, Safia. I do not know flower. What is and what is not God? What is a son of a tea boy to say about such things? And he goes on to say, you know, America can rain fire from the sky. You know, they can move a man uh, just by pointing their finger. And so he goes, does that does that equal God? Um, so you, you see a lot of questioning in the book about what it means to have faith. I, I think you also see to a certain degree um, you see people who are in desperate need who get closer and closer to faith. Whereas you see some of the Americans, the Americans are in power. Like 
Now, granted, we're not shown too much of the individual soldiers' perspectives, and I, I think that if we seen if we saw the individual soldiers' perspectives, we might have a slightly different take. But when you looked at the generals and things like that, these are not guys who possess a lot of fear because there's probably not in any imminent danger of being killed. And they don't seem to have any spiritual perspective at all. It's kind of just like, I'm doing, I just got to come in here and, you know, do what I'm told to do. So pretty interesting takes on spirituality from vastly different uh, areas, which I found really fascinating. Any other thoughts from your side, Mike, on the spiritual aspects? Well, to go to go back to that too, that because it is a pretty interesting scene between her and her brother, and it and she kind of dismisses it. So you're kind of left as a reader to go, oh, maybe he's just you know, um, uh, pardon the pun, but babbling on. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, um, well, I mean, well he done, does, sir. <laughs> he he does say he does say some interesting things. I mean, the quote that he says about you know uh, the the Quran and and what you know he's like ah it's it's what. You know, commentators say it is. Uh, Anuman told me told me this when I was very young. Then he hit me across the face, so it must be true. So, um, I think that right there, along with his later on, he you know he's like, well, we're told there's only one God, and yet you know the Americans can do this. So if there is only one God, they must be the one God, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, he goes on and on and on and on about that. But the, I think the sense that we're getting from those that character in particular is the confusion that the Iraqi people and probably most of the 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 the, the whole region, and maybe even the entire religion, kind of feel confusion as to what their what their really. Uh, what their religion means, what it stands for, what the practice, because you have these extremists that are making things that are violent, that are making things, uh, uh, they're, they're terrorist organizations uh, are using their dogma throughout the world to, to do terrible things. And, and, you know, so if you, and, and so the world and and particularly a huge portion of, of our country, the United States here, believe that believe that anybody who's a Muslim or belong is in that region is is not to be trusted. Right. And and where do you go with that? Do you do you reject your your religion because of extremists? Um, uh, or you know how do you how do you convince yourself, let alone the world, that you know, it's not that way. It, you know, there are good, good, you know, well-meaning um, Muslims out there, um, and that's that's. That I think it it while it was this, it's not the by any means the main topic uh, of this of this story. It is a factor with uh, I think a lot of these because you're you're talking about a region, uh, an area that is struggling with identity that does not know how to pick up the pieces. And, and one, one very big piece is, is their, you know, religious beliefs and, and going forward, how they're, how they're going to be implemented. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the book does a really good job of showcasing how it can be easy. It can be much easier um, when you are contemplating spirituality to sit back and say, well, I had these perspectives on spirituality from my own perspective, sitting in my own home, not interacting with the rest of the world. And yet 
the reality is as soon as you leave your house and the further you go from your house that it gets even more and more challenging is to say, but other people have different perspectives and those perspectives um, change with different, different scenarios we're given. So, you know, a lot of times we find our spirituality um, really butting up against our, po our political beliefs. Um, and then we have to ask ourselves, which, which one, which one am I actually, which one's actually more important to me, my political beliefs or my spiritual beliefs? Because my spiritual beliefs may tell me one thing, but my political beliefs may tell me another. And now I'm in conflict with myself. And I think it gets worse and worse. The, the, I mean, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine being the president of the United States. Um, because you know, a lot of my spiritual beliefs are, we, you know, shouldn't do harm to other people. We should um, uh, have a have a very strong sense of of justice and what that means. But at the same time, we should have grace for other people. And yet, when you're put in a position of saying like, now you're now you're in charge of protecting an entire nation, you you are required. And, and every president, I believe, I, I I I would say this is. I believe this is true. Every president that has been in office since I was born has would would be responsible for the deaths of thousands of people at some level, right? Um, even if it's even if it's in protection uh, of of the Croatian people during the uh, Yugoslavian sort of war that we had in the early nineties. Even those type of situations, you're you're you have you have a certain level of responsibility in those choices that are made by which our country um, moves in the world. I can't imagine facing that sort of responsibility and doing so under my own spiritual beliefs and how those would dictate what I do or do not do. Um, it's really got to be insane. Um, and, and very difficult to still look at the individual human and not actually the situation and the scenario that I'm trying to overcome and the objective that I'm trying to reach. So I think that this book does a really good job of kind of showcasing that in multiple ways. How do you deal with uh, a country? Like, if, let's just say you're, you're um, Sophia. How in the world are you supposed to deal with uh, rising to power and creating, uh, rebirthing a nation, as it were, given the fact that you have extremists. Um, and they're not going to just change their mind tomorrow, right? So how are you going to deal with those people? Uh, very difficult, very challenging aspects to you, our own spirituality as we consider what that might look like. Um, and then what other people's spiritualities look like. So really fascinating topic. Anything else yeah, to add? Yeah. Well, um, just that, you know, one of the most religions, uh, uh, sort of uh, one of the, the main um, commonalities of most religions is uh, that murder is, is off the table. Murder is out, right? Right, um, right. Uh, thou shalt not kill, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, some have allowed certain circumstances for uh, <laughs> lives to be taken, but for the most part, you know, murders out. So if you're looking at this story from a perspective of like, okay, who are the good guys? You know, like, so that's a big thing. Like, okay, so if you're, if you're murdering people, that's your, your, you quote unquote, you should be put in the bad guy category. Well, uh, the only character, main character in this story so far that has not taken a life is Chris. 
Right. Um, and and most of them have taken lives like, and and, and with uh, extreme degrees. Um, so uh, and and Chris, while he hasn't taken a life, he is you know having sex with uh, a woman who is not afraid to take lives herself. So um, it does make me wonder, and this is kind of going back to the the, the, the characters and, and Chris uh, aspect of it. Um, I'm kind of wondering, uh, like he's 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 the most naive of everybody in the book, right? Right. Uh, at least from like he just doesn't know what's going on, and and I don't I don't really feel like he knows. That's why I kind of like to see his the origin of the relationship that he has with uh, Sophia, because um, I, I I don't think he knows the extent of who he's with, um, and I think. Obviously, that would that that's going to change, and, and at some point he's going to find out, of course, and that leads to some drama, a dramatic moment, right between them. Right. Um, so I I'm curious as to you know I think we'll see uh, him sort of that naivety sort of being less and less and less as as more and more volumes of this be, are released. Absolutely, that that would be fantastic to see. Um, and I think that there's good, like you said, there's good rationale for the exploration of that, which is really cool. So that does it for my questions. Anything else that came up during our discussion that you want to circle back to? Um, well, I guess I just kind of did. Um, but uh, as far as, as Chris's naivety and, and sort of looking ahead, you know, I think that's that's the key. I mean, we're, we're hooked, right? When it says to be continued after this volume, you know, Thank goodness uh, for us that the next volume. It, now, I mean, we could get this monthly, so we didn't have to wait. But right. uh, I, I do. I, I'm I'm a trade kind of guy. I think uh, for a lot of things. So, um, uh, so I, I am getting this by trade. The trade for this is is out this month. So I'm looking forward to you know continuing on. I don't expect you know everything to be answered in the second volume, but I'm I'm curious as to where the story's going. And, and where, you know, you think it'll go um, as far as uh, I think, obviously, I think Chris is going to um, learn more and more. I mean, obviously, I think he's probably going to be the the, the character that's going to have the biggest character arc in this story. Like by by, you know, I don't know how many volumes it's going to be, but let's say it goes 10 volumes. Right. By the 10th volume, Chris is going to be very different than he is in this first <laughs> right. volume. Right. Right. At least he should, you know. Um, it'll be amazing if he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I, I, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he will be. I mean, he seems to be the main protagonist here, so he's our eyes. So I think you know he's safe. You know, uh, I, I don't know if that's the true for anybody else in this. Right. Um. Obviously, there's a danger there, so I don't expect you know uh, all these other characters to make it out that long. Um, but, uh, I, I do wonder what the, you know, I, I, I also, uh, I'm wondering more about, uh, Sophia and, and her plan to see if that, uh, is revealed, uh, to see if, uh, she was really behind uh, a couple of things that I, I sort of suspect that she was behind in this first volume. Um, and, and to see what other, like what her plan is, I think that, needs to be revealed pretty like if not in the next volume certainly soon yeah absolutely i think we need to see some of that stuff we need to see probably more of the villain character too to understand he's done such a great job of of setting the environment 
uh, and setting the characters up. And now it'll be interesting to see how to see where the story itself is going, because in some regards, I think if it was just a stay with this book only, it's it's almost like a great slice of life uh, memoir type thing. But I don't think that that there is there's not enough of a story structure there to call it like uh, a great story. It's more of just like a vignette, if you will. Um, so I, I would like to see how the how the powers that 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 are that exist in this story start to butt up against one another uh, as the story head towards its inevitable conclusion, whatever that is. I think that'll be really cool to watch unfold because of how well it's set up now. Um, so that'd be awesome. And I really do hope, like you said, like that. Um, I think you're right. Chris is going to continue to be our. Um, either protagonist or antagonist, depending on where the story goes. Um, and we'll just see who else comes in and out of the story and who else weaves their way through. It'll be really fascinating. I do. Uh, I know this is at the end of the discussion, but I, it was kind of bugging me. So I'm like, why don't we know the name of the bad guy? Um, it, it's Abu Rahim. Ah. And uh, when I was looking up the name, I just happened to see the panel in the book where it says that, uh, uh, because Nasir knows him, and uh, he says that uh, he's a, he's a foreigner. Oh, interesting. So I didn't um, catch that. Yeah. Um, so I'm really kind of uh, curious to see uh, where that goes. Um, you know, because now we've got another foreign influence, and because I think it wasn't his whole thing about about getting you know Nasir on his side was to kick out the Americans, kick out the foreigners yeah right exactly and, and i'm like to find out that he's actually a foreigner as well uh I, I believe you know unless i'm confused um but the other thing i want to say jim point out too is because we've talked about a lot of the the big moments the big themes of this the big mystery and everything like that but i think one thing that is important and that this this story is full of wonderful character moments and those kind of take you through uh what could be a very dark and 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 uh violent story um and, and so uh there's uh, particularly there's a moment there's a scene with uh chris and uh fatima uh, getting drunk uh, yes. in a in a in a pool uh, in a pool type setting a a pool where a missile uh found itself right so it's a it's a it's a it's quite empty pool but uh it it's just a really like it's about i don't know 10 pages or so and you it doesn't really mean anything. It kind of sets her up so that when she dies later, you kind of feel even worse. But um, <laughs> but it's done in a way that you don't feel that it's a, a like a in your face foreshadowing moment. I mean, you really feel because you learn a little bit more about Chris then, um, and uh, you know you, you sort of learn you get the 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 woman's perspective, uh, the wife's mother's perspective uh, at the ground level and what's going on in the scenario as well and it's just in it's executed in such a way like if if this is to be filmed at some point whether it's been the hbo series or wherever i do hope that that's one of the scenes that they keep in its entirety don't touch it just just put the language in or put the the dialogue in as it's written in the book because it's such a, a beautiful scene it's one of my favorite scenes and it's it seems like that that I'm like, okay, so that's not really, you know, integral to the. That's not, you know, part of your mystery, Iraqi noir storytelling. But yet, it's an important, I think, 
element of the environment of the story and uh, and it's great and it's getting to know these characters which is great which i think is so important to uh, a lot of these things i think a lot of you know writers just sort of get to like well if it's not directly um you know part of the mystery if it's not directly like leads to something then you have to throw it out and you know sometimes you don't you miss out on character moments like this yeah and i couldn't agree with you more that is a fantastic scene and i one of the things I really loved about it is that for a moment, uh, I was a little worried that not, not because it made any sense to do so, but because you've seen so many other stories that do this that all of a sudden, like, like I was really worried that they were going to end up having sex by the end. Yeah. Of that scene. was going to become sexual. Yeah. And I'm yeah. glad, yes, you're right. It didn't make sense for them to do so. It makes no sense for them to be together in this scene. Like it just, right. Like the the happenstance of it is so ridiculous, and yet it's so. I think that's what makes it one of the most touching moments in the entire in the entire book so far. Exactly, and it's and it's so. It's such a human thing. Like like there's a there's a there's a couple panels where she's resting her head on his shoulder, and then there's a couple panels where he's sort of uh, leaning back against her, and I think what it does is it takes these two people from completely different backgrounds, completely different circumstances, and it brings them both into a very human moment where they can actually share more of what is similar about them than what is different. And that's those are the moments that I think are just amazing because this is the same lady who's encouraging Nasir to kill the three American soldiers in the beginning, right? Oh yeah. So she's, she's yeah, she's definitely in favor of that. Yeah. So <laughs> this is exactly. So so this is a person who could be painted in a lot of other works by a lot of other individuals could be painted as sort of this like conniving villain that's just out to but here she is showing an immense amount of hu- human nature uh that's that's approachable and likable and we understand her and now this is what a well in my mind this is what a well-rounded character looks like and yeah absolutely because she's not she's not like i hate all americans all americans must die i mean that that type of character would never like you know be like go out drinking with uh with chris exactly you know? Like, but she's not. She's not about that. She's smarter than that, and uh, it's it's always great to read about smart characters. Exactly, exactly. So, really phenomenal. Anything else? Um, I think we've covered a lot of it. I mean, it's really good stuff. I mean, I've certainly you know going page by page, panel by panel, issue by issue. I mean, there's a lot of of stuff that pops up. I mean, it's not as 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 simple as as anything really i mean it would be really difficult i think it's one of those things it's not it it definitely is one of uh dc's vertigos whatever you want to call it um actually all of the industries i think it's a it's a great story uh i definitely um encourage people to check it out if we haven't like if they've listened to this whole thing and we've spoiled the heck out of it it's still worth <laughs> reading because there's there's a lot that we haven't covered no question, yeah, no question. And if you've stayed with us this long and haven't read it, you probably will still pick it up with a whole new set of eyes. And and yes. actually, so so I actually would think it'd be fascinating to do that. But um, who knows if anybody stuck around from the spoilers? But um, yeah, definitely go buy it. Uh, and then also um, go check out uh, Mike's stuff. So go head over to newlegendmike.com. Um, check him out on Twitter. Check out what he what he's up to. Especially if you like, like a note, especially if you I like can, tiki no, stuff, right? 
Absolutely, and I can no way guarantee the quality of depth that we've discussed with this story, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I try. Maybe one of these days we'll have to put one of your uh, one of your stories on the podcast. <laughs> there you go. I'm always worried about people doing that for my for my stories. Hey, let's know, put one like, of yours out there. Like uh, you excited me and scared me at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And like we both said, go out and check out the comic if you haven't already. It was my pleasure, Jay. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today's podcast. What do you think? Let us know. Write me an email at reclamationsociety at gmail.com. The email address is in the show notes below, so you don't even spell it out. You can also check out our community on mz.com, which is basically a newer, friendlier Reddit, and that's where we host our discussion board. You can post directly into that group, share whatever thoughts you have on our conversation, and maybe even throw out some of your top comic books of 2016. Also, please do us a favor. I know a few of you have already reviewed this podcast. I really appreciate that. It's not, they're not even showing up on iTunes yet because we don't have enough reviews. But if a few more of you will be willing to review this podcast, it'll start showing up and we would be very grateful to you for that. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All of the links are in the show notes below. So go out and follow us there. Give us some feedback. Let us know what sci-fi, fantasy, or comic book story we should be reviewing next. And a reminder, if you're not subscribed, please do so. That is it for today's show. Remember, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek to find the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.